Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 44, presented by Five Pin Universe. We're back from Christmas holidays. I'm your host, Carrie Kreitz. We have the we have the twins, the Wiseman twins, Tim and Dexter, Adam Weber, and our special guest of the week is Matt Schultz, a legend in the sport already. Um, Matt is, as far as I know, is the youngest person ever to win a WCBT equivalent in the Rose Bowl. Back in the day when you were 14, right, Matt? Yes. 14 years old. So YBCers, don't be afraid to play. It could happen. That's right. Um, Matt, my I guess my first question for you is how many do you have? Do you have three or four? Uh, I got five, I think. Five? Uh, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> yeah, five. I got two Regina, two TP, uh, TPC and Rose Bowl, and then I got Calgary, so that's five. Right. Yeah, five. Um, so yeah, you're just missing out on one at the moment too, then. Red deer, yeah. Uh-huh. The elusive red deer. It can be. Uh... <laughs> tough. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> Difficult journey. Um, so speaking of red deer, we had uh, masters this past weekend for Alberta uh, tournament masters. First day was in Innisfail. How's everybody's thoughts on uh, the Innisfail track this year? nice center very beautiful nice. center it is absolutely beautiful they did some great renovations in there it's awesome it was it was definitely nice to walk into and uh, it was back to the old school scoring yeah yeah still uh, uh 18 inch bases and the old style bases still yeah even yeah. the pins could have been original i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it definitely was... wasn't a whole lot of score out there no. Uh, Robbie Wolfson with his first Masters win with 2022. Pretty amazing for Robbie to get his first win, especially in a tough house too, right? Yeah, just grinded it out and then proceeded to get his second win the next day in, in uh, Heritage, also grinding it out. Yeah, also a fairly low score for the tournament men's for the last couple of years, right? Yeah. One, two, what did Robbie shoot at Heritage? 21-24. Six guys over 2,000. Yeah. So, that's only crazy. Eight, only eight for the weekend. In. I was yeah. expecting five or six guys over 2,200 at Heritage. Yeah. yeah. Just knowing how much score people needed after Calgary. You know, walk, walking into Innisfail, uh, the difficult scoring house and i know you have to play there in what about three weeks there carrie for for yeah, open trials for open trials so yeah. hope uh hope you learned something there i but, did i did the last game i made some drastic moves in the last four games and finally found something that at least was half decent score hopefully just gonna try and survive there and hopefully i find something in stetler <laughs> yeah well, but definitely think the differences of like the scoring from Innisfail to like red red or in heritage i think the the what the surprising thing was a little bit it was just a little bit of the slide um, i think a lot of people were struggling and found it a little heavier um compared to Innisfail. yeah i think that's where people struggled just a little bit just trying to get get a little stronger at the line and, and get those scores where we thought we we're going to be i agree with that 2200 should have been there yeah um, it, a little bit of added pressure and everything like that definitely took a toll on everybody. It definitely wasn't as heavy as it used to be in Heritage, that's for sure. Right. It was faster, but definitely wasn't as fast as Innisfail. Innisfail was uh, almost Sherwood Bowl territory. It was close, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, 
I thought it was yeah, it was tough. Like uh, we were doing okay in, in NFL, and all of a sudden, just kind of everything came off, and just we lost yeah. it all. It was just bad. It was just and I and I don't know. Like, I think the score. I think there's score there. I just we not, none of us found it. <laughs> and it was failing. Like it, it just it seemed to vary so much from from lane to lane. And the, I don't know. We got to seven and eight, and it, it, it loved Maddie's shot, and it hated everything to do with my <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. Uh, I couldn't believe the drastic difference. For we were pretty much throwing the same line almost at times too, and you would yeah. hang a corner every time, and my corner would go. Yeah. Um, Heritage. The struggle for me in Heritage was that it was actually faster than normal for me there. Um, and I kind of expected it to be a little bit heavier. So then when I did change sliders, I, I ended up going to an S2 and with an H5 heel, but it, it was it was still almost too quick. But then if I went to the H, uh, the H, sorry, yeah, the H2 heel, um, we were just hammering. So I never felt comfortable. It's but I also didn't bowl very well. Over the years is the, the slides and centers. If there's a center that has a faster slide, the score seemed to be a little bit higher. Um, and I don't know if there there is a direct relation to it. I feel that there is, uh, just because you're you're not getting hung up at the line, you're able to stay more strong. You're not falling over. You're not being held up by your slide. And um, as you can look at, like over the years, Bonnie Dune with the scores that they posted over the past few years, um, they've always had faster approaches once they put the synthetic surfaces in. Um, I think we've seen a little bit of an increase with Sherwood. Um, the scores seem to be a little bit higher the last little bit here with your guys' synthetic surface too, um, compared to last year a little bit. Just more higher games, I should say. Mm, no, la last year we had way more. I mean, even even at TPC, we had, what, Tim, two, two 400s this year, three 400s, and we had like 12 the year before yeah. on the wood. Yeah, that's true. There was I just, uh, I, I just find that you're, in a way, Matt, you're right. Uh, Lynn Howells sort of said the same thing for many years, right? If you don't, yeah. if you jam it at the line, you can't finish but I think that's my biggest weakness right now. I, I can't I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop at Sherwood Park, and I'm afraid to keep dropping sliders down or heel. I'm already on H1 heel, and yeah. um, sometimes I'm out of control. I just can't stay firm at the line. Um, I don't I don't know. Like I think my body hates me more than it ever has um, because I'm so in shape. And uh, I think if a heavier approach, I actually play better on because I can I can be more aggressive on it. But the next day I want to feel it more and I don't know. So either I got to, I have to adapt. Right. And, uh, and I'm, unfortunately uh, right now I'm too bullheaded, not smart enough to make that adaption right now. So um, that's something I got to work on. Give, give it a few years, buddy. You think you're feeling pain now. Yeah. <laughs> All you young yeah. guys on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's funny at Sherwood though, because I, I, I have been able to figure out what I think is the right combination of, of slide and heel. Uh, but then every once in a while, it still like comes out and bites you, and you're all all over the line, right? So uh, there, there's something about those approaches, and I don't know if if there's still dust in the air or if there's you know still uh, there, there there's something that that's still causing those, those approaches to be extremely quick. Uh, uh, but I, I think over time they they have to slow down, and I think we saw the same thing over at Bonnie Dune. Uh, I remember the first year, year and a half, it, it was, you know, black ice out there and then kind of came back a little bit. So uh, I, I definitely agree uh, with, with you, Matt, that uh, having that extra little bit of slide, uh, it, it definitely is conducive of, of higher scoring typically. Um, 
personally, I, I like to have that little bit extra drive and stop at the line um, without too much. Um, I, I was actually having some uh, heel issues over at uh, Heritage this weekend. And what was happening is uh, I'd get to a, a slide point and then I would almost like do like a stop stop and they would uh, force my, my body to basically overturn the ball or, or pull it left all the time. So um, I, there, there's so much score to be had there, I, I think. It, uh, uh, pins were ducking under, uh, which I haven't seen very often yeah. there. I, I don't think there was nearly as much oil out there, uh, at least on, on the low side uh, where we were playing the majority. Um, I, I'm, I'm shocked that 21-20 was, was a win. Um, but uh, good, good for for Robbie. Real, real proud of him. Uh, not sure how rare winning a weekend is in, in Alberta, but it's it's got to be pretty rare on the male side. It is. Yeah. The last time I remember was Gary Barrett, I think. Maybe three. Tim, you've done it twice, haven't you? Uh, I've been twenty four, twenty five, or twenty four, twenty four. Um, Gary Barrett did. I remember in first oh, time yeah. in Calgary. Right? He, he had he won the first four tournaments one year. I think Brad did it a couple of years ago. The final two. Final the, two. The year the year he made singles. Yeah. yeah. I heard Blair Pizzy did it a while back. Yeah. I think Gino, I think Gino mentioned that. No, I think that was my first year playing Masters. Yeah. So it'd been like oh seven, I think. Back on the the approaches, Um, my theory over the the last little bit too that I've watched and I definitely noticed it on on older wood lanes is I think with some of the newer rubbers and stuff that are newer, sorry, you should say heels and the newer rubber compounds that they're using in the different heels, I think they're starting to leave a little bit of traces on the lane Um, and people don't necessarily see it. So sometimes it depends on who you're playing with. And I've noticed that a lot of times where I've seen, especially I remember last year in Regina, Adam, when you did that, um, Superman down the lanes. Sometimes it just takes that one spot where you hit where somebody actually just, I think, is leaving a little bit of their heel behind. Um, and I definitely noticed that over the years with a lot of wood lanes because the wood lanes would definitely pick it up more. Um, so you would definitely see, you could actually see in older wood lanes, the approaches would be worn down in the middle. And I'm not sure they were necessarily worn down, but it was actually rubber left behind. Um, so I think that something I've paid attention to and why I've always gone with a leather heel and the leather bottom completely um, because all the times I've jammed and everything like that, it's come kind of wrecked my hip and back and all that good stuff. But uh, hmm. kind of my theory on that, I don't know what you guys think about that. I had the exact same thing at uh, green and gold with uh, Ryland last year. Uh, he ended up playing some, uh, it must've been like an H two h3 but it was orange uh it was a different heel than our h1 h1 and it was so soft yeah. that it was literally leaving marks and you you could see it on on the uh the synthetic approach and then of course i'm playing right behind him the whole time and yeah i, I almost died the the first day he didn't play it the the second day and uh you know scores you know went up but no i, I agree with that as well it, it, not only that like this the the fibers in the uh uh, in the sliders as well, right? They they yeah. break down so quickly um, on, on both uh, both the approaches, but more on wood, I think, uh, than anything. But uh, no, I, I agree 100 percent, Matt. Adam, you're the best bowler in Canada, and you can make an adjustment for that. Well, I don't have an extra set of balls in the bag, so I got to <laughs> uh, got to figure something out. No, I, 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 you, you can adjust to it, but if you're not comfortable, 
right? And then, yeah. If you're not comfortable with an approach, you're, you're not going to be playing your best. Yeah, um, I'm not so sure if it's the either the slider's breaking down either or if it they're just picking up dirt and oil and it's caking in the slider and that's why it gets faster and it seems like it's burned down. But <clears throat> I know one of my old S4 sliders, you could literally take a quarter to it and you could peel that dirt and junk out of where it looks like the burn mark is where you think the slider's breaking down. It's actually just picking up dust and burning into it, right? And it, yep. it was notoriously on wood lanes. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that for sure because everything gets it's easy to hide in crevices and boards and yeah. and all other stuff. Yeah, I. But to go along well, with that, Matt, you're saying like the new rubbers um, on the synthetic. I find, um, especially at Sherwood Bowl, you have to put on an H two or whatever that that backwards break is, right, Dex? Yeah, I tried that at Heritage because it seemed a little bit fast. I tried that and it insta grabbed that synthetic, exact yeah. same synthetic, but it just grabbed it instantly. It's, you couldn't switch to it. Exactly, and then and then when we're in Sherwood Park, I use that H two and it is completely smooth. Yeah, like I, I've never hammered on it once. The second I put it on at Heritage, I was just like straight, like straight head over heels. Makes you wonder. I think that it just comes down to longevity and people bowling on on the lanes. Yeah. Like you can clean them and polish them as all you want, unless you're taking a full out orbital uh, uh, sanding machine or whatever with a nice soft pad on it and actually scrubbing the whole lane. Yeah, buffing it you're up. Never gonna get it consistent to like what you guys got right now because I'm sure when you're you're new, but you keep them clean on a consistent basis, and I think that's huge. Um, and we're not using anything on them either. Right. Like it's 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 simply water. All we use is water, and it just it peels everything off of it, and it's fine. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if maybe there's a breakdown on the lanes on the approaches based on what they're using to clean them, because you know uh, that that would make a big difference. If, even if there's a little bit of a film or anything like that from whatever they're using to clean them, that or, would make a difference in the slide. Or it's breaking apart the coating that's on the synthetic mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. There's so many factors. Could even be dirty carpet in the in the center you're playing at, or it could be a bunch of things where it's it's you know on your sliders and. People are taking it to their lanes. Yeah. Yeah. And the time of the year and what kind of humidity is out there. And there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's lots of yeah. factors. Cool. Um, so moving on to the next thing. So, Matt, we know, as we all know on podcasts, you've battled through a few injuries and through a few medical issues and stuff like that. Um, for people that know you across the country and probably haven't heard any of it, would you like to? I guess, discuss any of that, um, especially your back. I know a back has been a big issue for you the last couple of years. How's that going? Are you uh, rehabbing it fairly well, or is it a constant pain in you-know-what? Well, the back's going to be a lifetime thing. Uh, that's that's not going away. Um, there's nothing that I can do to repair my back because there's no surgery or anything like that. So um I battle through it in the best way that I can. It definitely has affected my play a little bit in the last couple of years. Um, kind of made my way back a little bit in the last last little while to competing where I kind of wanted to be. But uh, recently, I had another health struggle. So um, in uh, it was 2007, I had a stroke, um, and recently in this past November, I had another one. Um, so that's been another setback for me. Um, most people don't know about it locally. Some people do know. I mean, the people on the podcast, people that I play with on a, on a regular basis and family, of course. Um, but uh, I just kept it on the download because it's, uh, 
it's something that uh, definitely hit me and my family, especially now that I got a little one uh, running around the house and stuff. So um, it's definitely taken a toll because it was straight to my vision again. I lost half of my vision. Um, so that's been a big battle for me. Um, to be honest, probably on Saturday playing in Innisfail and Masters to be in the top three and going in into even the last game being sitting up top, uh, that was a huge, huge win for me. I didn't care what my score was. Um, I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to play because I can't even focus still. Um, so to come out and, and see what I did, uh, I was frustrated that I couldn't focus like I wanted to, but uh, to, to come out where I did and, and shoot what I did, I was I was super happy about it. Um, may not have looked like it on the lanes, but uh, I definitely came out this weekend feeling like I, I did win um, and did, did do as best as I could. Um, still hit me hot. I should say it still hit me hard, um, but uh, that's all you can do. You can only play with the cards that have been dealt to you and keep working hard. I came back stronger than ever the last time. I think after the first set of strokes, that was actually in Regina. I ended up winning that tournament. Um, so that was kind of a, a stride there for me. But uh, since then, I've won another three. So um, I came back even stronger. So that's the plan this time. A little bit of rehab, a little bit of... Uh, rehab programs and stuff for my head as well. So now I got my back and my head to deal with. So it's going to be full-time rehab this guy for the next little while. But Yeah, as somebody that's played against you since YBC, um, I don't see you backing down or really struggling for much longer. You you come back uh, just as strong as you've ever been, for sure. Yeah, it's something I definitely would like to keep going on because uh, – Growing up, I had a lot of mentorship and, and big names that have helped me be the player that I've been able to be. And uh, now I got some younger kids underneath me looking up to me. Um, recently, there's even been some scores posted from the old KG, um, seeing some scores from there and other tournaments. And YBC kids are coming up um, to see, like, Bradley and Tyler, uh, Titgat, to see them come up. I literally watched them grow up. I think the when I first met Tyler and Bradley, Tyler, I think, might even been two years old. Um, so to see those guys playing masters now, I'm, that's some of my goals is I want to play with those guys. Um, I want to be that mentor back to those kids and to the, to the kids in YBC. Um, the kids that I see that have the same heart that the five of us in this podcast. Have. Um, so that's something I'm definitely looking forward to in the, in the near future. Um, hopefully it's this year, but it might have to be next year, um, just due to health issues. But, uh, that's what we got the summer for is to get back in the groove and, Pulling a great center. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, at least the you know the past and those battles to to get back. Uh, at least I, I think you now you know what the, those struggles were, and hopefully that you know kind of fast tracks that process for you as well to get you back uh, to where you need to be, where where we all want you to be. Yeah, no, for sure. The first time I didn't do any rehab for for strokes. I just kind of let it naturally heal on its own. But this time, I feel like it's a a little bit more powerful vision and focus wise. So I um, tried to get enlisted into a program that's going to take some time to get into, but work on a little bit of brain power and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I can't I, even read the books and read all that kind of stuff. Sitting in front of a computer hurts me too. So bright lights and all that good stuff. So, but we'll get there. Hey, you are, you are 13 years older than since the last time it's happened. So. Unfortunately, age does play a little bit of a role into your recovery time and stuff like that. But sure does. Yeah, <laughs> not, we're not young in Zaymar, unfortunately. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey Matt, you mentioned uh, you know your your daughter uh, as well now being part of your uh, your, your life for, for both yourself and, and Danielle. Uh, have there been any you know major differences or struggles on the bowling side of it? Uh, just just with that that family aspect now. The family aspect, yes. Uh, it, the only way it really does is just for me in league play because um, me and Danielle play on the same team. Um, now that Madeline is as old as she is, she's running around. There's no sitting her in a chair or in a, in a stroller and letting her be because she needs to roam around. So he um, plays change a little bit for me. So like I only bowled that one league um, and have just because of my back as well. I didn't want to push myself too much so I could still play tournaments. Um, so it, it definitely has, but uh, there's ways around it and scheduling things. And, and next year we're talking about changing things up a little bit league wise, maybe that uh, we can have a little bit more freedom. Um, Cause even right now, what I do is I just come in and pre bowl um, just so I can hang out with, with Madeline on Thursdays while Danielle bowls and has her night. Um, allows me to socialize and hang out with some of you guys and have fun with my daughter. Mm-hmm. She's uh, she's kind of picked up the love of bowling too, I hear, with uh, the bowling game downstairs in your basement. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a blast. <laughs> now at the lanes now too, she loves pushing the balls down the lanes. And so that's, uh, that's exciting for me. That's something else yeah. that uh, – is not going to let me back down and quit because I want to get to the point where hopefully I'm still bowling in 15 years where I can start bowling tournaments with her and get her competing. Hopefully mm-hmm. if she's interested in it, I mean, I'm not going to push her to it, but uh, Adam kind of knows that little story too. He's, he had a, his, his son come up through it and was doing really good with bowling and stuff, but didn't force him to make any choices. He wanted him to go the route he wanted to do. And that's definitely what I'll be doing as well. Mm-hmm. Adam decided to make you look for money. That's what why Braxton went to soccer. There's way more money in soccer. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about you, Matt, you might be in the seniors tour by the time she comes up. So right, so you got, that, that's what you got to work on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll still have right. more hair than you, though, probably. Oh, we're just asking him to take off his shirt. No, no. Not for the four Patreon members oh, who man. watch the videos. Poor patrons. Uh, so we'll, we'll stay on topic with this, Matt. So we ask uh, our special guests a few, a few questions while they're on. Um, so first up, your bowling mentor growing up. Well, I probably had a few. Um, there's a couple names that are one probably for sure most people wouldn't know, but um, the center that I grew up bowling in, I was actually kind of lucky that a lot of the managers were some bowlers that uh, a lot of people know, and uh, some still play. Some are in seniors now and, and playing seniors masters and stuff like that. But um, one of them would be Tom Stevenson. Um, he was around when I was going through YBC. He was a manager at one point in time at the center that I played in. Um, one of the other ones, my probably number one coach and mentor right at the beginning was my dad. Um, he understood the sport very well. He didn't necessarily um, play on a competitive level. He was a 240 average bowler, um, but uh, he was able to coach me in a way that nobody else was. Um, he was allowing me to do certain things to strive to be the best to do what I could to get to the level where I wanted to be um, as I, I did everything in my power. I practiced so many times a week that people didn't even realize uh, I'd probably throw 
there's probably some weeks I threw 200 games. Um, it was just nonstop for me. But uh, one of the other mentors I had would be, his name was Merlin Bunnage. Um, he's actually, he was one of the managers there. He is a, a very well-known 10-pin bowler. Um, he trained me in the mental aspect of the game better than anybody ever could. Um, that's probably where I got my mental strength from. Uh, he is now the manager, general manager of uh, McCurdy Lanes in Kelowna. That's what I thought. Yeah. And, he's uh, a good dude. He, he's phenomenal. Um, I've, I've seen this guy throw perfect games in 10-pin like whenever he wants pretty much. Uh, he used to challenge me. He had a natural natural uh, talent. Um, he was like Tom Stevenson. Uh, Tom Stevenson in the same year. I believe once for sure, if not multiple times, when I competed at YBC Nationals in five and 10 pin, uh, Merlin did as well. Um, they both, those two guys had a natural talent in both sports. Uh, it was amazing to watch. Um, <laughs> what got me and got me learning from Merlin, uh, there was one time when he was managing, I was in practicing and he came up to me and he, he challenged me. He's like, you want a bowl? Sure. I'm like, he's like, I'm like, you haven't even, I've never even seen you throw a ball since you worked here. And it was probably, I think he was there for maybe about two years at that point. And he went on to tell me, I think it was about 10 years since he picked up a five pin bowling ball. Um, his first game, he shoots 425 back. Oh, <laughs> it blew my mind. Uh, I sat there in awe. I think I was 14 years old. I think that's right when I, I won uh, Rose Bowl. Um, it, it just blew my mind. Um, at that point, that's what grabbed my attention. That was probably one of the first 400s I'd seen thrown in front of me um, and against me. So that kind of led me down the road. Um, but then probably my third mentor, I'd have to say, because like all three of them played a huge role. Um, Lynn Howell would be number, all number ones to me, sorry, I should say. Um, but Lynn Howell was probably um, one of my number one um, cheerleaders. Uh, he was always there to support me. Um, he coached me in ways I never had, and he put the most, he bestowed the most confidence in me that nobody else could. Um, he was the first, when I threw my first perfect game, uh, he was the first person I called before anybody. Um, so it's, he's uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, so is Tom Stevenson, and so is Merlin. Anytime I go back to Kelowna, I always make sure I drop in and say hi to him as I used to live there for six years as well. So, um, yeah. Those are being probably my, my top three mentors. I can't just pick one because uh, probably the three of those combined made me the player that I am for sure. No, for sure. That's uh, quite the list. Um, obviously, yeah, to ha have all that experience behind you and helping you out is definitely a huge factor into um, what you did in YBC and in your adult career for sure. Massive, you bet. Um, so do you have a favorite tournament? Open, Masters, a WCBT event? Uh, I'd have to say Masters was my favorite, um, just competitive-wise, just because what we got out of Alberta and the players that you get to play with on a regular basis, and even more lately. Um, I mean, when I first started out of uh, playing Masters, I was one of the youngest in the crowd by almost 10 years, I'd say, when I first started playing Masters. I think, Carrie, you came in a couple years after, possibly, and yeah. so did Mark Johnstone. Um, so... That's probably one of my favorite because at that point, then I'm I'm bowling alongside Bruce Mortar, Lynn Howell, Greg Gigliak, Vince Chartier. Uh, the list goes on at that point. Uh, 
I believe, while Blair Kizzy was still playing. Uh, I believe, I don't remember if Kevin Holdsworth was. Because um, we're at, I think, 15 years ago, I started playing Masters. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely would say Masters just because you're always competing at the highest level. Um, and I like when you go to Nationals, again, you're playing against the five or six best players in the province um, from every province across Canada. And I think that's, uh, that for me, just, just puts it on top. Very you had a place. pretty rid- ridiculous streak of nationals for Masters too, wasn't it? Yeah, I, until I got sick and, and until I moved, I was 13 straight, I believe. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, I, was, I was shooting definitely for some records myself, just personal, but um, health got in the way a little bit, but. We'll get back at her and start another streak with all you guys. This is my plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so good, man. Um, so do you have a favorite match or a toughest match? Uh, and this one, you have to pick one. I don't want to hear six, seven of your greatest <laughs> matches because we know you have a list. But I, I think the favorite one that I remember the most would be against Lynn Howell. Um, it wasn't at a tournament. It was just league play. Um, what used to be our Wednesday night match play league that used to play at Sherwood Park Bowl um, years and years ago. Um, I remember the lanes quite vividly. It was lanes five and six. Um, we both went nine from the gun. Uh, he missed his 10th and I got my 10th and I beat him, I believe it was 420 to 405 or 410 or something like that. Um, that's probably my most memorable match. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you started with 10 in a row, what happened your last two balls to get to 420? That's good. I got it by my math. Time, you're asking me at the wrong time to remember. Exactly <laughs> my memory doesn't stand still for uh, the exact ball thrown. But... Still. Even, I know I had Gino. 400 and I know he had a four, but I just don't remember the exact. That's amazing, yeah. though. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, those are the fun matches. Well, what about tournament matches? Any that come to mind right away? Mm, one, I guess one that would jump out at me, and I actually did talk to him not too long ago about it, was uh, a couple of years ago, I believe it was Winnipeg and Matt Eisenhower. Um, he started eight from the gun. Uh, I opened the first frame, and then I ran nine. Uh, I believe he plowed in 10 or something like that. And I marked in 10, double marked in 10, I believe, to beat him 390 to 380, something like that. Was that was in Masters? And that was Masters, yeah. And I believe that was also to, for a team total win, too. You, uh, that year you won a lot for us, I remember. You carried me and Mark on your back for a while. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark's hands were a little sore. I remember him tearing up. <laughs> yeah, you got you, Carrie, and Derek played pretty well that year. Yeah. <laughs> need five players, right, Tim? Need five? Well, apparently, at least four. Yeah. At least four. At least four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what's in your arsenal, Matt? What are you talking about? What oh. are you talking about? Uh, what bowling balls are you playing? What, what shoes are you using? Uh, bowling balls are normally soft rolls, missiles um, normally. Um, I hop back and forth sometimes. I don't really change very often. Um, I started out my career for probably the first 15 years. It was all cyclones. 
um, until synthetic surfaces started to come around, then they didn't seem to play as well. Um, so I switched to soft rolls and I've kind of been with them for ever since then. Um, so I do have some missiles. I do have some of the other versions as well, um, the ballistics and stuff, but the, the missiles are definitely the, probably the go-to on a consistent basis. What did you uh, throw your first perfect game ball or first perfect game with? Uh, a random pink cycle or a random pink star line. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was just, uh, I wasn't bowling good for a couple of weeks. So I just grabbed a random ball out of the closet and second game in. <laughs> yeah. a perfect game. So. I, I remember you having that. You had a 450 engraved on it too, didn't you? Yeah. And yeah. then now I can't find the ball. But... <laughs> <laughs> Check the buy and sell page. Yeah. <laughs> Tim probably found it and is trying to sell it. it. No, if anyone's going to do it, it's Mitch. Evan Lacousier for sure. <laughs> I I almost brought a bowling ball out on Saturday, and then I was like, oh, I'm facing Mike, and I know Evan stole this one from, from Mike. So <laughs> I was just like, and I bought it off him for 50 bucks. So I figured I would, I would save that for another set. It's not like Mike <laughs> or Evan listen to the podcast. I'm sure they won't pick up on that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> They live far enough apart now. <laughs> yeah. Are you you built your own custom shoes? Do you not? Yeah, I have for quite a few years. Um, uh, I just always find a, a nice flat shoe. I started off quite a few years ago, probably ten plus years ago now, making my own shoes. Um, I used to use DC skate shoes because um, I got a good solid flat bottom. That's easy for a shoemaker to put the leather and stuff on the bottom that I like. Um, now I just always just watch for good sales and find good company running runners with a nice flat bottom, nice flat tread and make my own shoes. And they've lasted longer than all my other shoes that I've ever had. Um, I won't put any specific names out there of shoe brands, but, uh, no, it's fine. We'll call them out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I straight away just for price. Um, I can build my own set of shoes normally for about a hundred bucks. And I replace them every year for comfortability levels. Uh, I was spending 250 to 350 bucks on a, a pair of Dexters that would last me six months. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of strayed away from them, and when I kind of did switch, it kind of did improve my game a bit too. So um, I don't know if there's direct correlation to that or it's just experience and, and time on the lanes, but uh, being being comfortable out there is a huge huge portion of it, right? For sure. Especially when you're standing out for a long shift, eight hours on your feet, having a nice pair of runners is better than standing in those leather things that you have to wear. I find, anyways. I agree. Uh, so, what do you have on your bucket list besides heritage uh, traditional? Uh, I I want to get to the point where if I'm back competing, I definitely want to get. Uh, I'm missing three things that I want on my resume. Is is open singles title, national title, masters. Um, I've had a few shot at the masters. I made some minor mental mistakes to uh, lose by a shot I threw, um, masters wise. Uh, I won't ever live that down again. If I ever get the chance to have a gold medal ball in my hand again, I, I will do everything in my power to get that gold medal. Um, and then uh, and then Red Deer, because then that'd be the uh, triple crown and yeah. Or not the triple crown, the all five cash tournaments. Right. Yeah. Uh, I believe yeah. that would be something for me, a bucket list, as I think that would be the first person to get all five. Yeah. I think the grand slam. Yeah. There's a few of us striving for that right now, and I think it'd be cool to be the first one to do it. 
Yeah. I I would have to win this next TPC before Manitoba starts. Because <laughs> then all of a sudden yeah. there's another one you got to try and win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Kerry, we have five shifts for you, buddy. I'm, I'm probably going to try and use them all. You got to give yourself a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got some work on my game before I... Uh, I, I if I find one. the pink ball for you, I'll share it with you. Perfect. Starline is the gem. <laughs> um, so is there any... silence from Adam? <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, you Weird. all know. You guys already know. <laughs> Starlines make for good bowlers. Uh, that's not what uh, you were saying two weeks ago. <laughs> or, or this weekend. Or this weekend, yeah. <laughs> no, Starlines were still fine. Just the bowler got in the way. Oh yeah, well, take no. take taking two and a half months off. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a struggle. <laughs> uh, Matt, so is there anything you would like to see in the game for improvement, um, or any ideas that you have specifically that you would like to see improved? I definitely would love to see it get like your whole purpose of and everybody's purpose of WCBT is to hopefully get it back uh, um, in front of people's eyes on TV and all that kind of good stuff. And anything and everything that we can do to get us there, I think is, is a big key. Um, one of the biggest things that I think is important is making sure that we get local sponsorship from local people. Um, something that I always do on the, most times if I'm in some restaurant or somewhere new or on pub or anything like that, I always see if there's people that are interested in doing any type of sponsorship. Um, I pass it along to Tim and Dexter when I can. Um, I do that kind of stuff. Um, but I think one of the biggest ones is, is I want to start pushing this year um, is, is trying to get charities involved. Um, I think it's good for both, both aspects. Um, I think it'd be great for the sport um, in general. Um, if you look at a lot of the bigger, any type of tournaments out there, there's normally a big sponsor. Um, they're normally doing charity events and stuff throughout the season and throughout the years, whether it's NFL, CFL, anything like that. Um, and it draws in everybody from around the sport. Um, and I think that's something that could be huge for five pin bowling to get it to the point where maybe we can start getting bigger sponsors and bigger names. Um, that we've definitely lost over the years that, you know, supported CBCs, the TSNs, and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, like I say, that's kind of something I'm, I'm trying to team up with a few people on this year coming up and hopefully starting this month that we can put some time to it that um, we get a, a local charity involved, whether it be Heart and Stroke Foundation, because I got a little bit of ties to the Heart and Stroke, um, or anything to do with some type of cancers or anything like that, because... Um, somebody's got a family member out there or even proprietors have some type of issues within their family somewhere along the lines that could tie to a charity that I think all year long, most bowling centers could raise money for and boost the sport and put some more money and in, in, into some tournaments and stuff like that. But once you start doing that, I think you can start attracting local celebrities off of, you know, NHL teams or football teams or stuff like that, because um, they're all about charitable events as well. And Think that's going to be a huge attraction to everybody yep. so that's kind of kind of what i would like to work on and, and definitely get towards um is getting more sponsorship in the game um i mean what the wcbt has done over the last how many years now and, and seeing the progress that you guys have made and the monies you've raised and you got a small charity involved as well with the karen Pallon foundation yeah. um that's huge um and I, I think we need to see more of that um, because then even just uh, if there's a local tournament where there's a, a charity involved, 
you can talk to Global TV or CTV and say, hey, you know, we're just doing this as a, a fun fundraiser tournament, but it's near and dear to our hearts, and we're hoping to uh, kind of keep this going year-round. Um, and hopefully, like I said, attract more people and uh, get it in front of more people's faces because once it's back on TV, and I think there's even going to be more, you know, YBC bowlers coming in and, and you know, more kids interested in the sport and uh, build that bottom line up. Yeah, for sure. I It just uh... – that's one of my pet peeves is how um, some associations lost sight on it being on TV. Because if it's on TV, there's going to be people watching. There's going to be advertisers. There's going to be sponsorships. There's going to be people looking to be involved, right? Um, unfortunately, once it fell off television, it just falls to your your surrounding circle, right? Nah. That's mm-hmm. like you said. That's kind of the whole point of the WCBT was to bring something that people will be watching, and hopefully, that is the end game TV. But who knows how long that'll take? Well, and if you look back at all those tournaments, I mean, uh, TSN back in the day was Hiram Walker sponsored. They had a big name. I mean, it took them a few years to get there. Um, yeah. I can't remember the start of it all, and I believe they were right off the top. I think they were probably the ones that helped get it on TV. Um, but it just takes one, and sometimes it might take a few years to work at it. Um, but that's something I, I wouldn't mind even challenging a bunch of people to out there that are listening to the podcast that, um, you know, approach your local proprietor, talk to them, see if they're they're interested in something like that where you can, you know, even just have a little bin uh, on their counter that they can raise money for and then and maybe even just have a, a local tournament a year that could, you know, bring those charities involved, get some local sponsorship. Um, once other sponsors see that there's local charities involved or even a big charity they're more willing to sponsor um you guys in in your sport so um i think that's definitely a massive connection i think it could be huge for the whole sport across canada and i literally challenge anybody out there that if you guys can do it let's get it done because that's what's going to get this sport bigger and and uh and if you do post it on social media so we can all like it and they can show the sport and show the sponsors how big we are and how much of a family we really are yeah, exactly. Let, utilize social media as much as possible. If you can spread the word, it, it'll reach other people too. So, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. If, if I remember correctly, back in the day, well, I'm back in the day, about 10 years ago, uh, Bull Canada did knock down cancer months in, in January. And I, I don't know why that kind of came wayside after a while. Um, but that being said, um, I. I still think it was important. Actually, if you, I don't think anybody knows, but Westlock actually had the most money raised in Alberta, and it was like it was like tens of thousands. It was absolutely incredible how much money they brought in, yeah. and, uh, and a small little eight lane center, and you know, and that's not a lot of population would do something really well with that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm all for charity. It's community gives back. It gives you kind of a positive light back in your community as well as a center or whatnot, right? So goes both ways yeah the more you help people the more they help you so uh that's the big challenge i'd say yep totally agree so tim around the bowling world was there any high games last week or uh during the christmas break was there anything special going on uh well yeah actually there's some really good scores out there uh, first of all, we want to shout out Stacy Weber and Topper Bull because uh, she's a little bit upset we didn't announce her high scores. Sorry, but not sorry, Stacy. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, um, they put new bands, new rubbers, and they tried this new technique of oiling. It 
Toppler, and it's been going really well this year. Uh, so so they, they, they have a few thousand triples this year. Back on December 4th, Dave Philpott shot 1,008. Uh, this past Monday, Kevin Holzer shot 1,060. Uh, some high quads, Anthony Street on November 11th shot 1310. Parker shot 1307 this Monday, and Kevin beat him out with a 1361 uh, with numerous 400s. So way to go, Stacy! Glad you're putting the hard work in. It's paying off. I love you too. Um, also, uh, Gino shot a 400 at Heritage. If you know Gino, he doesn't throw a lot of strikes, so this is quite the feat for Gino. So congratulations <laughs> goes out to Gino on that. Uh, our very own Kerry Craig shot a thousand triple at Sherwood Park. Uh, best kickback I've ever seen in my life for the thousand. He missed the middle on eleven, and, and the three pin hit the side of the wall, swung across the deck, hit the other three pin for an eight count for his thousand one. On his second, <laughs> yeah, his second last ball. <laughs> Couldn't tell. Yeah. So, I, I needed. I needed more than five. Yeah, that, <laughs> good strategy. Yeah, that's ex- that's experience right there, and. Yeah. Uh, when Finally. when you need more than five, pitch. <laughs> Play thin. And uh, finally, on December 22nd, um, we're tuning our own horn, but Tyler Tick got finally shot his perfect amateur park during YBC. So congratulations on some great bowling, guys. Please make sure you, uh, you message 5-Pin Universe. We're more than happy to announce some high scores. Thank you. No, thank you, Tim. <laughs> Do you approve that message? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I, ask me about noon, and I want to get the message from Stacy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey guys, we have about fifteen more minutes. Has anybody else got any topics to bring up? Wow, crickets! Holy. Well, I don't know. We can talk about Dexter's Rule Book Corner. Oh, is there a uh, real? Is there a real going? Well, on? It, no. It actually, we found something out today. Uh, thumb oh, hole ball. It actually, it wasn't that we found something out. It's something that I already knew. Thank oh. You. oh, okay. So the thumb uh, hole. What about it? Well, they're discontinued right now. Discontinued. Yeah, they haven't been making them for a number of years. And in our proprietor's bowling group, uh, we have uh, somebody was offering uh, to. They're able to drill out balls. And put their own thumb hole in there. And uh, Tempion Company, we or one of our distributors out in Canada can do that. But finding out, you have to just let I think C5 know and get that updated. That was all because yeah, e- it, Eprel the, is the only one that could do it right now. In the specifications acceptance. for bowling balls, it actually states of like there can't be any like holes or divots in them or whatever, um, except for the thumb hole balls specifically made by Epco. But these thumb hole balls, were they still normal weight? Like, if you're drilling out a thumb, are they adding weight to the, like, is it a harder rubber? It's probably drop. It's probably like a 3.6 or something instead. Or, yeah, because, like, maybe... if you drill a normal ball out, a 4 and 73 ball, it's going to be, like, 3.6 or less. Yeah. yeah. My, yeah, my I, guess I, is, like, because it had to be made by Epco, it was probably a specially weighted bowling ball, so it, exactly. it met parameters still. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go that route and just throw it during league or whatnot for a senior, I'm sure that probably doesn't matter, right? Um, but uh, anything tournament-wise, yeah. I, I, yeah, we haven't come up with thumbhole balls for quite some time, so. Um, so our if you need a thumbhole ball. You might as well use the stick. Almost, you're almost probably yeah. Cat, to be honest with you. 
Beautiful. So are the thumbhole balls C5 certified to be used in sanctioned tournaments? Uh, the Apico ones are. Oh, wow. Yeah. Has anybody ever thrown one? I yeah. threw one one time, and don't try to throw it back up. You pretty much, you pretty like, there's no way. There's no way to get your thumb out, you know? You, yeah. you, you've got to throw the hook. you got to have the hand come over top, and yeah. Um, I tried candle pin ball in five pin once, and that was not a good idea either. Yeah. We, we do that when we're playing bingo ball and want to leave corners. Yeah. Shut up, Dexter. That's my. It's his go-to. That's my go-to. We don't have bingo ball anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah, I'm interested on that. Uh, we had one other gentleman who used to come in with a thumbhole ball that he just drilled out himself, um, and he kept like, getting stuck in the back because it sat on the mat back there or on the in the trough, and it just it was too flat. I think uh, Robert, Robert Gallagher went to one of those conventions and. The Epco had told him, yeah, it's, the ball is perfectly round. He's like, how is that even possible? He puts it on the flat. It just sits there. It is not perfectly round. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's just math. Like, that's, uh, yeah. Well, he's such a textile person, right? He's going to touch everything. So that, that makes sense. Yeah, you um, definitely have to put, uh, like you said, a hook rotation on it so the ball doesn't land on the flat spot, right? Well, exactly. And I'm trying to throw this back up, and you basically got to push it out. Otherwise, you're yeah, – I think sure Bull should buy one so we can all try it. I don't I don't want to throw it into the ceiling. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, that's happened before too. I mean – Yeah, there's some, some dummy thrown between his legs at one of the morning under the influence. <laughs> under the influence. <laughs> that's okay. That staff member wasn't allowed back. <laughs> You're right there. <laughs> I I didn't get I didn't get blamed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is is a thumbhole ball something that we think is necessary in the game? There's obviously like I, I, there's obviously was a reason behind them being made, right? Right, but there's probably also a reason why you know they did two runs of them. It was twice that this happened, and they ran them for a year, and then weren't made again for probably like six, and then made for a year, and then haven't been made again since. They probably didn't My sell My guess very is because Epco couldn't afford to make any money. Yeah, they weren't making yeah. nothing off of them. Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're if you're selling four a year, and most of them are just for people to be like, "What are these?" You know, um, I don't I don't know if it's necessary because re realistically, is it going to help the grip? Probably not. It's going to be really hard to throw it. It's I don't think hard it would improve scores. I think I think your scores would go down. Yeah, but you can you get some odd hits. Like if that that yeah. hole hits the rubber at the right spot, like you're just gonna see pins snap off the deck and stay down. I'd say. Yeah, for sure. I I think if it's not for a medical reason, I don't see why you would even bother. No. Yeah, I think Matt has it right. I'd rather use a stick. I think. A little bit right. better roll. I think. Yeah. Hmm. WCVT might have to look into that. We don't want to see that come out on the professional tour. <laughs> could, could you tournament. imagine? We should have a thumbhole tournament. I would love to see my, someone like my Evan, Evan throw that ball and then like have that hit the flat spot and see where that ball ends up. Yeah. Well, at the same time, like if that, you would think over time that would be a weak spot in the ball. So wouldn't that just? If you hit it just right in the back off of something or even a bolt or a screw, like anything, it would split the ball, you'd think. 
Yeah. My guess is there there was a lot more complications, but most probably it was they didn't make a profit off it, so why why keep distributing it, right? How many exactly. of you guys seen a ball split in half while bowling? I've seen one. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. It was a uh, it was a half and half though, the one I seen split. The, the one I saw was a soft roll. Oh really? Yeah, in really? Uh, in Newfoundland it was a straight in half. Hmm. Like clean cut, or was it like along the rubber lines or whatever? It was like, yeah, it was like right in half. Hmm. Like he threw the ball out and then it like landed and then split in half and then went <laughs> one half in the gutter, one half in the other gutter. So did he throw a gutter or did he really just race? I, I'm pretty sure that counts as a gutter. No, it's, it's, a, it's a legally delivered ball. So it it's would. a legally delivered ball in the playing area. Look I'm that pretty up. sure that that's that a gutter. Up. I'm, well, how am I... I'm pretty sure that's not in the rule book. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it, it'll just be under the legally delivered ball. I'm pretty, sure, I'm ball pretty sure it's a legally delivered ball, and it's going to work on that rule zero. there, Tim, at the next T5 meeting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so if it splits in half and goes down both gutters, is it two gutter rolls? <laughs> it was still, it was still, it's still one, one legally ball. ball when it was yeah. released. Though. Half yeah. a ball plus half a ball is one ball. <laughs> dumb, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but if it, if it trips the sensor twice, yeah, yeah I, I'm good at it. It reads hundred miles per hour. What if, what if they pick the two pin with the other half? Four. Be yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. You just don't lob it all the way down. Boom. Splits. Spares aces. Got it. <laughs> well, but, but, I, I think that would count. I, I, how do you dispute I, it? Yeah, you yeah, yeah, what's the ruling against it? <laughs> you have to have a ball tech on site to inspect the ball. Yeah. To, to, be, to be honest with you, at that point, if it, I wouldn't care. Just go for yeah, it. Yeah, just give it to him. <laughs> he ain't using it again. I just hope it would be against Adam Weber because I, I want to see him get all pissy. Like, that would be the greatest thing in the oh, world. Oh, I'd, I'd be laughing at it the whole time. Not, not in that, a gold that, medal match. <laughs> I mean, that type of an anomaly? Yeah. Hmm. So... Okay, so uh, a legally delivered ball, a bowling ball shall be delivered legally when by manual means it leaves the bowler's hand or prosthesis and crosses the foul line in the playing area. Um, it can't do it in an overhand motion. It doesn't say anything about I'm, I'm, it doesn't say anything about that at all, clearly. Something that is interesting though is a two-handed delivery requires that the ball be cradled in the hands with thumbs pointing up. The result being in a two thumbs up delivery. That is an actual rule. What? Wow. So you can't yeah. side. You can't side. You can't roll it. You can't put. You can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't. It's got to be. Oh, I never knew two that. Thumbs up. So so like Belmonte. So those are different rules in Tempton, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, well, no. Yeah. yeah, but I guess you could do that. Well, you would have to release it before the. You would have to take that left hand off or right hand off or whatever before the foul line, so you're you're really delivering with one. I I think I think it came I think that portion came because people were, you know, like little ones pushed the, the ball out, like yeah, and so that's why they're talking about doing that. I think. Well, what, wasn't there a, a girl at a new plan to carry skates? Yep. Right, she she used to do that little push ball sure with uh, with thumbs down. She was pretty good at it too. Yeah, she was one of the top for a long time. Well, I mean, I guess you can be good if you throw it past the arrows, but. 
I don't know. I never watched her bowl. That's wrong. But I just, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested. No, I, I didn't. Yeah, I'm guessing that's because of the push, right? I mean, well, that's that's an interesting rule. Yeah, because yeah. like realistically, you can't you can't have the your you, you can't have your thumbs under. So, on a, where does on that a, rule come into play with a stick? Oh, that's that'd be the prosthesis. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to legally deliver yeah. with the process. Yeah, there's another, another section about like uh, like aid devices and whatnot. So, too, Dexter, can you look under? I know it's legally delivered ball, but what happens, say, if a machine felt malfunctions or, or something like that, or some kind of like some is that maybe there's something under that with the ball? Because, or you get my point. If the that, machine that malfunctions, of, it's a dead ball. You get to read. No, 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 I'm, t- I'm yeah. not talking about I'm not talking about machine, but like you know, like in that aspect where. So remember we, we were bowling at Fraser the last year and everything went haywire there, Kerry. Mm-hmm. And every time he delivered the ball, the shield, the shield went down. And that's it's a legally delivered ball, but the no, it's a it's a back. dead ball. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder if I, want, I wonder if that would fall under a dead ball. It, like it's not obviously in the rule book, but right. I could see it being a dead ball. Right. If they, if you mean if they illegally delivered the ball. No, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the ball splitting. I think I would probably oh, think it'd be more yeah, of a dead you're, ball. You're talking. You're talking about like a, a, a an equipment malfunction, but I, yeah. I don't think there is anything on like equipment malfunctions. Yeah. Hmm. No. I, like I, I mean, if if your shoe breaks and you slide across the foul line, that's a foul. A foul. Yeah. 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 True enough. Yeah. Interesting. I, I mean, I I cannot imagine that this is actually in the rule book. It won't be. I I wouldn't think so either. uh, But yeah, but I think that two-handed rule is interesting. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely uh, for people that I guess two-hand deliver. Like uh, I don't know how many people have seen Evan do it in practice. He'll go up and he'll deliver with two hands off the side. So would that be considered if he used that in play? Would that be illegal? Yeah, I would say it is. Yeah. Well, I got to think through. that <laughs> his left hand is probably coming off before that right hand finish, finishes the shot, though, right? Oh, for so sure, I, used I to, would think I used to, so. I used to do that uh, when I was like seven, eight. Yeah. And uh, I would throw from the side. It's there more just to kind of cradle, yeah. right? So he, even the, like Belmonte, right? He His one hand leaves before he finishes oh, yeah. the shot. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess so I don't that, think that's that, that would fall under. Yeah, right. maybe but maybe this has to but, be a clear definition of what they consider two handed. But that that push delivery. that that I know has been used in that national events, that's a very interesting rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know when that went in. Did I don't know. Yeah, they don't date them. But uh, I I I have the motion list, so I can always play with, take a look back on that. Yeah, interesting to know when it went in for sure. Yeah. If you don't mind, at some point, Tim, that that would be great. Yeah. I don't I don't know why I'm interested, but that's just that was just not I, something I was expecting. We needed Tim Wiseman certified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm almost thinking it happened when Daryl was the A five rep with the Nets at Nationals because I remember I think something was brought up, uh, or maybe Jim Lennon was at one of our meetings back in the day. So that would have been about. 10 years ago hmm. <laughs> 10 years ago i'm almost thinking that would have been about that time oh here here's yeah. an here's another interesting rule oh, God. Uh, a ball yeah <laughs> hey you asked for a rule book corner here we are no, let's I, go I a ball may not be rolled to clear deadwood 
or balls from the channels unless permission to do so is granted by the opposing team captain, coach, or tournament official. Fine and dandy. Penalty. If such a ball is rolled without receiving permission, the ball shall count as a legally delivered ball and a 15-point reduction from his or her total score shall be made. You get a foul and a legally delivered ball. What if the coach does it? I'm assuming it would go to somebody else. Well, yeah, I don't know. Is that like a bench minor? (laughs) This comes off team total. Yes. If, if, if only we can get that off uh, getting rid of our coach that way. A coach wouldn't uh, be a legal player, though. That's what I mean. Like, So what if yeah, a coach yeah. decided to clear the clear the wood, right? That That's for free fall, isn't it? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, even a ball on the channel, though. Right. That happens. So, sure. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to call you on it and start deducting your pre-bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Hey Matt, I got a, I got one for you. So that is being part of uh, you know the very exclusive top 100 list in Canada's history. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Hall of Fame that C5 put out now? I think it's great. Um, I think it's good because. Um, the top 100 when they did that that was masters level and now this is c5 um there is some people that only play c5 um there's only some people that play masters so i think it's good for the sport um because it's 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 showcasing all players um i think there's a lot of players that like i got to know and some you know people i looked up to over the years only played the, the open um they were top players but it also just based on their um, their schedules, their family. Um, I mean, you would probably know a little bit now when you got a family and a kid. Um, there's sometimes that there's sometimes that you, you have to work around, or you just can't necessarily play. So um, I think it's good. Um, I, I I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's 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 showcasing you know some past you know major players, um, some that are still playing in the game and, and competing. Um, others may have passed as well. Um, but I think it's good also to showcase all these bowlers because it's going to show the younger players and, and YBC players coming up and, you know, it could go into some details about their history and, and why they've been inducted, um, their tournament wins, um, singles, titles, triple crowns, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's important for the sport for sure. The youth aspect of that and giving them something like, you know, um, something to strive for and stuff like that. I, I think I think anything that you could do to put people on a pedestal and be like, I want to be this, is so big now because there's there's so many things that have been pulled out of the game. So, Agreed. It, it there's there's uh, a lot less drive needed because there's a lot of things in YBC and stuff like that where it's it's inclusion based over performance based these days. And um, I get both sides and I get why that happens, but. Um, you got to have if if you want to get better in the game, you got to have goals and you got to have something at the upper end to shoot for, and at least you know that, that gives them something to shoot for. Mm-hmm. And it's very public and out there, so uh, I, I think that's really good. I agree, hundred percent. No, I think yeah, anything, yeah. anything you can do to promote the sport and, and get it better, just like we we're just talking about everything else when it comes to charities, anything like that. 
uh, anything we can do internally to get it out there and, and make the sport bigger and, and paint a bigger picture for anybody is, is massive. I think Harry said it best. I mean, you're looking for personalities and, and people like that. And Ken Pin uh, asked Pete Weber to act the way he did, right? So yep. just for television ratings. And maybe Pete was never like that, or maybe he was a bit. But uh, I don't think if they he didn't did, act that way. Yeah, they didn't put any restrictions on him, right? They just said, do what you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you get that now with Ten Pin. It it's pretty wide open and um, flow bowling, the PBA and now Bolero that owns PBA. They, they push a huge narrator narrative, right? Jason Belmonte is the best bowl in the world and they they'll blast it. If you follow flow bowl or PBA or any of them, it gets blasted every day. It's a, it's a huge thing, right? You create the tiger woods of the sport or the Rafael Nadal or whatever people will strive to be like them to perform like them and it gives them something to watch too right and uh hate to say it but that's definitely what our sports sport needs and uh we're getting a little bit more with uh the wcbt posting like top 12s posting stuff coming leading up to the wcbt championship pushing a narrative right um and hopefully it's the right narrative because it's based on performance. So it's a uh, should be definitely the way. I know that's the way I look at things. That's the way Five Pin Universe was built was to push a narrative, mm-hmm. and hopefully that's hopefully it's helping the sport. I I've always thought, and I know it's it's kind of tough with the way the rules are or sportsmanship, but if we had a Mike Herbert meltdown on the lanes it would make it would create a top 10 right on tsn and i that would sell as much as i love <laughs> not picking up picking them up I, I don't i feel bad picking on them but it's true no though, you right? don't it, not I at don't. all <laughs> no i like mike i like mike but, but anyways the, yeah. the only way to i guess like you said tim to get like a sports center top 10 would be if we could videotape every bowler and capture a perfect game for fifteen thousand dollars and send it to tsn that's something that would catch the attention of somebody, right? Um, it's happened in disc golf. Um, I don't know if you guys probably don't follow it, but Paul Macbeth happened to shoot 18 under, which is a birdie on every hole, obviously, and it hit their Sports Center top 10, and they did a two and a half minute segment on it. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. disc golf is one of the fastest growing sports there is in the states, across the world, actually, too. I, I follow. Uh, sorry, I follow Ultimate Frisbee, and they do the same thing. They do. They did done all that kind of stuff. Well, that can be another challenge we put out to people out there. Like when there's these perfect games thrown, and there's been quite a few across Canada that have been videotaped and all that. Hammer your your proprietors and hammer the local news stations and say, hey, like this only happens. Like most players don't even throw a perfect game in their whole career of bowling, 30, 40 years of playing. Most people don't throw that perfect game in five pin, ten pin, sure. But uh, when you present them that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of people, I mean, smaller towns might bite a little bit more, smaller cities, but um, I know here locally in the last 10 years, it's gotten a lot bigger with our uh, our uh, global station and stuff like that. And, and our sports anchors, they have definitely taken a shine to five pin bowling and they've definitely helped us get it a little bit bigger locally. Um, Regina's had a good turnout with their TV stations and stuff too. Um, and that's all because they just had to poke them a little bit, but they probably gave them some footage and gave them some 
solid information that sparked their interest to say, hey, like, just come do this once and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Help us out. Yep. I was, I was a little disappointed in, in my local one. Um, with the Edmonton Journal, I probably called and texted them and or well, emailed them, sorry, and Global never got back to me at all for TPC, and I, I pounded them. And even the the Quinn Phillips and stuff like that, we had we had contacts with and John Sexsmith. Yeah. I, I they never heard back from him. But yeah, uh, there was a, it's, sure there's, it's not good. Uh, nope. Just to just to build on that, Tim, like the WCBT, yeah. we sent stuff to every major organization or media organization in Edmonton as well, and we did that for Calgary, we did it for Regina, we did it for Red Deer. Regina's stations got back to us. The other cities didn't. I, my, my mom was wondering, like, if time of years, because I've had really good success with with stuff, and I've some had some, uh, just maybe a little bit in the spring or something, but it was just a little bit weird, maybe because the Oilers aren't very good and they're looking for something on TV. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, we even offered, I even was trying to approach them and buy a spot in their weekly journal or bi-weekly. Uh, with bowling updates, if if I can pay through my gaming funds, uh, and somebody can write an article of what's going on and what updated new scores and this was going on at this center, I thought it'd be a great way to publish. I would be able to pay for it, yep. um, and they never even bat an eye. Like I'm willing to pay for it, and never reply back to me or you call me back or nothing. So and that was right to the editor. So yeah. um, I feel like we've got some pretty good connections this year, though, where TPC. Um, I, I think we're going to have some good things going on at TPC this year. We have two separate people and, and two different entities that are uh, really pushing for media coverage, like good media coverage for it, that have really good connections for that. So um, let's hope. Yeah. Hopefully that's yeah, the start. It's going gonna, it's gonna to start by proving it with one tournament. Hopefully we can grow it and, and show what, what works. We just got to find that common denominator that's going to help everybody across Canada in these tournaments and, and get it more published and then in front of everybody's eyes yeah no exactly all right guys i think we're gonna wrap up this podcast matt can't thank you enough for coming on um obviously looking forward to uh bowling with you for the foreseeable future especially in alberta um good luck everybody and uh have a good week appreciate your time thanks guys thanks a lot matt you bet have a good one guys